to Sermon Notes. Um, here we are in our study of John. Um, I'm Garland. Uh, we got Michael here today and Josh. And so um, we're going to be looking at our second of these, these miraculous signs that Jesus is performing here in John's gospel. And we move over to chapter four. So last week we were in the, the wedding. Uh, we were at a wedding ceremony. And this week we find ourselves uh, in chapter four. So Michael, set us up. What's going on in John four? We're going to be picking the story up uh, in the in chapter uh, four, verse forty three and following, forty six and following. So what's going on in the passage? Yeah. So to your point, verse forty three says he departed for Galilee. Verse forty six says so he came again to Cana in Galilee. And of course, the alert rear when we see Cana, we immediately think, oh, he's already been to Cana. He was in Cana for for our purposes last week. Um, that's where he turned water into wine at the wedding. And he's going to do another miracle, perform another sign uh, in Cana, this time for the son of a royal official. So this man has heard about Jesus. He comes um, from Capernaum to Cana. It's about a 16-mile journey through the hills. It's kind of a hard trip, to be honest. Um, you, you know because you've recently been able to experience that. And I'm still jealous, let me say, that I have yet to get to go. But uh, what's Capernaum like? Just, just This wasn't planned, by the way. Just what was Capernaum like? Uh, it was incredible. There's a lot of um, uh, ruins still there. Um, there's a Catholic church there um, built over Peter's house. Um, they know basically from tradition which house was Peter's. That's still there. It's right on the, the, the Sea of Galilee beautiful spot. So yeah, it was one of the highlights of the trip, to be honest. Did not go to Cana, but from what I understand, it would be um, it would be a tough walk, or maybe this guy's a royal official, maybe he would have ridden a horse, but 16 miles for us doesn't sound that far, um, you know, to go from Fellowship Favel to, say, West Fork, um, until I think about walking it, and then it's, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a challenge. So he comes to Jesus, and he tells him that his, his son is sick to the point of death. And Jesus replies, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And what doesn't jump off the page for us in English is that you is plural. He says, unless y'all see signs and wonders. And so he's speaking not just to the man, but to these people who are standing around listening, these people in Galilee who are looking for Jesus to do something. They're there because they think he might do a miracle. He might perform a sign. Anytime we see signs and wonders that, and this is the only time, by the way, in John that he describes it as signs and wonders. Um, he, whenever we see wonders, that points to the supernatural spectacle of it all as much as the miracle itself. And so Jesus says, you're not looking to me as the provider of a miracle. You just want to see something cool in effect. And the official says, come down before my child dies. Jesus says in verse 50, go, your son will live. And as the man returns home the next day, he meets his servants coming to tell him that his son has already begun to recover. And he realizes it happened at the very moment that Jesus said, go, your son will live. Um, And the passage ends, and he himself believed and all his household Then John says in verse 54, this was now the second sign Jesus did when he'd come from Judea to Galilee. So it's a really interesting miracle story. It doesn't have the intimacy and immediacy of the sign at the wedding. At the wedding, um, man, it's a a 
family's reputation that hangs in the balance, and Jesus steps in to save them from this embarrassment. Um, He steps in to do what his mom has asked him to do, to help these people we assume were friends of hers. And Jesus is right there with the water that becomes wine. This story, he never even sees the young man who's healed. Um, The young man doesn't have to display any faith. It's his father who has faith, and Jesus heals him from 16 miles away. And so there's there's some similarities in the two stories, and we can unpack that a little bit, um, but there's also some significant differences. So, I mean, we'll spend some time, I'm, I'm guessing, in the sermon. You'll, you'll unpack kind of who this royal official is and uh, what that would look like. He's, you know, uh, probably not necessarily looked on favorably by the Jews if he's in Herod's court or if he's a Roman. So you'll, we'll spend some time on Sunday talking about that. But um, help, help unpack. This is one of the reasons we have sermon notes is to go into some of the, the things that don't make the cut, I guess, is the way to say it for Sunday morning. We got this, this Cana... This, this rehit of Cana, and a lot of scholars call this the Cana cycle. John then comes along, and he's being very you know, careful and clever to say, hey, this is the second sign that Jesus has performed. There seems like a lot of intentionality by this. So give us just a little uh, uh, bigger picture here. Let's step back and see what is John trying to communicate here? Yeah, that's great. And yeah, you're right. We know that you, the sermon note listener, are more tuned in to the things of the Lord <laughs> than those who simply attend. Um, but yes, yeah, yes. You're, you're right that um, we do want to talk about some things that maybe we wouldn't get into on a Sunday morning when we're a little more limited on time. So yeah, in John chapter two, this says there in verse one, he says on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And uh, Clark did a great job last week showing us that Jesus takes something old and replaces it with something new. He takes these old water purification pots and repurposes them full of this wine of feasting and celebration. Um, And Clark did a good job talking about the symbolism of wine. Um, Then we see Jesus cleanses the temple and Jesus is going to redefine the temple. The old temple worship is being replaced. Jesus is now the temple. Um, And then he has this conversation with Nicodemus where he says, you have to have a new birth. And so being born of the flesh is not the same as being born of the water and the spirit. And of course, that leads into maybe the most famous verse in the whole Bible, certainly the most famous verse in John, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life, verse 16. Um, And then we see Jesus with the woman at the well, and she's asking questions about an old form of worship, We worship at Mount Gerizim, Jews worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, no, the day's coming, and I tell you, is now here. The Father's looking for people who will worship in spirit and in truth. So the old is gone, the new has come. This is the Cana cycle, and it's, in Bible study, we called it an inclusio, where you have two parallel things that bracket a central teaching. And so the inclusio closes with the miracle that we're looking at this week, he comes again to Cana, and this time it's a healing. And like you said, it's an unlikely person. This is, if the Jews in Galilee had all gotten together and said, who should the Lord touch their life and their family? This guy would have probably been at the bottom of the list because he was a royal official, um, whether like you said, I think he probably was part of Herod's court, and I'm going to throw a little something in on that here in a second. Um, but maybe he worked for the Romans, but either way, he was part of this upper crust that was oppressing people who lived in places like Cana. 
And so for him to go there and and ask the Lord to do this, the people standing around were probably like, nah, not this guy, surely. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet Jesus responds. And so this Cana cycle sets up this first section of the book of John and shows us that Jesus is bringing something new. He's redefining things. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to move into the next cycle, which is the festivals or feast cycle. So just it, as you're listening to this and as you're you know doing this in your own personal devotional or leading community group through this, it, it it's a helpful, like we went, we might think of these almost like chapters in a book. This would be like an extended chapter uh, here in John chapter two through four. And they are meant to be read together. And so go read and notice the, the, the wise Nicodemus struggles to understand what Jesus is all about. The one who represents the temple and its systems, but the Samaritan he reaches out to and the Royal official. And so just getting some of these broader themes that John is weaving together. Uh, it's really important to see them. He's, he's, he's being very, very intentional on how he's crafting this. And we're going to see next week as we pick up in that festival season, he's dealing with the exact same thing there. So, um, as far as just people leading this in community groups, what what would be helpful for them just to know going into that Sunday night or Tuesday night or Thursday night, whatever their group is, you know, what's a what's a, a question or an idea that just as you've been working through this, Michael, you're like, man, we got to hit on this. This would be a great topic of discussion. Yeah, I appreciate that question, and I appreciate the community groups that are still meeting in the month of May. Good for you, and uh, I hope some of you, maybe your community group's not meeting, but you're meeting someone just across the table, you're having coffee, but yes, there's nothing outside of just your own personal devotional life, nothing more edifying than discussing God's word with other believers and what the Lord can do in those conversations. So I appreciate the question. The first thing I would say to it is, there's a word that's used 84 times in this gospel, and you're probably gonna hear it every week on this podcast, and that word is believe. And it just jumps off the page when you read this passage. Jesus says, you won't believe unless you see signs. Verse 50 in the ESV, it says, the man believed. And then in verse 53, it says, he himself believed in all his household. And so that would be my first question would be, um, man, what do you believe about who Jesus is and what Jesus does and how Jesus interacts with us today? Um, And notice in the text, the man believes Jesus when he says, go and your son will live. And then when he sees that his son's living, it says he believed again. And so belief in the book of John is not a transactional moment in time where uh, somebody says, I'm in, and they check a box, and that's that. Um, it's, It's something that grows and develops in somebody's life. And so I think a good question in a community group or across the table would be, um, man, what, what's the temperature of your faith right now? Um, are you lukewarm um, where you're kind of half in, kind of half out? Is it cooled? Is it something that you look back on a time that you had faith and now it's not really informing your life? Or is it something that, man, every day you get up and it's motivating um, what you say, who you spend time with, what you do with your money, what you talk about? Um, because this man's faith actually spills over into his whole household. And you can probably hear the pages of my Bible turning. One of the things that I just want to mention, I'm going to mention on Sunday, and uh, I can't build a strong case for this. Uh, Garland, we had a professor, both of us had him in seminary. He would say, um, some things in the Bible, you can, the ice is thick and you can jump up and down. In other places, it's really thin. You got to tread lightly. I don't know if there is even any ice here. I might not walk out on this at all. But in Luke chapter eight, 
Luke mentions these women who are accompanying Jesus. And I always think every time people are mentioned in the Bible, they're there for a reason. The biblical author and the Holy Spirit have teamed up to mention somebody. And in Luke chapter 8, verse 3, it says, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager. She's one of the women following Jesus. So she is an employee in the household of Herod. And I can't help but wonder, could Cusa be the man of John chapter four whose son was ill? Or could he be someone who works for that man um, that when this man and his whole household came to faith, this other household that Joanna's part of comes to faith? I don't know, but it's just interesting to think that Jesus moving in someone's life, that person believing and sharing it. Mm -hmm. That's the key, talking about what the Lord has done. Um, We always say this, that no, if you have any relational equity with someone, they will not say, that did not happen to you. They may reject the Bible. They may reject Jesus. They may not believe in the tenets of Christianity. But if they're your friend and you have a relationship with you, they will be very reticent to say, you didn't experience that. When this man says, Jesus said, your son will live, and at that very hour, my son began to get well, that impacts people in his sphere of influence. And I think, man, when we see this over in Luke chapter 8, that could be some fruit from that. And interestingly enough, Joanna almost certainly is the same one who we see at the empty tomb of Jesus. She's randomly mentioned by Luke, and so the reason she's named is Luke went and talked to her. And so Luke may have... What you're asserting is this may trace all the way back to this encounter that uh, that John remembers. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I hope as we're doing this study of John and everybody's, uh, you know, listening to sermon notes, we're going through this together. The gospel writers, they are intending a response from their reader. The, these are not objective texts. These texts demand something of the reader. And as you're saying, they're... They're in your face. What do you do with Jesus? And that's a great question for us as we wrap up this week. This is the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. And the question is going to be always on the table in John. These things were chosen or written. He picked these out to tell a story so that you would believe that Jesus really is the Messiah of Israel, the one who answers the problem, who defeats sin and death, and the one who uh, is the true king of the world. And so as we live here in 2022 in Northwest Arkansas. That's the same question as we read, John. And so, uh, Michael, that's helpful. Thank you. Uh, We hope this is helpful for you listening to Sermon Notes. As always, thanks for listening.